Hello and welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. The last few weeks, we've had a bit of a break from the podcast and mostly my fault because I'm currently traveling. I've been in Guatemala. Internet's been a little bit difficult to come by. And when it, when I can come by, it, it's fine for my coaching work, fine for most of our work. But unfortunately, when you're recording podcasts, you need a, a decent level of internet and it just hasn't been satisfactory. So for that reason, um, and also another reason, over the next couple of months, we're going to do a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast. And the plan in that time is that we can plan out better episodes, we can get on better guests, and we can have a clearer vision with what we want to achieve with the podcast and what we want to deliver to you, the listener. Okay, so hopefully you appreciate that. We obviously put out a lot of content elsewhere. We've got our free newsletter that goes out weekly. We've got all of our content on social media. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you've got to make sure that you're following us in all those places. But we will be back. And we will be back with much better content, better production, all that good stuff. Okay, so that's just a little bit of an update as to where we're at. And again, it's all for your benefit. Yeah, and I should say just on that, um, we are going to be producing a lot of content on the website, on YouTube. Um, there already is a lot of more content on the website, especially older content has been updated. A lot of articles have been released, that kind of stuff. So it's not like we're completely gone you won't be able to get your triage fix and um, but with gary's internet the way it is it just kind of makes a bit more sense to take a bit of a break but then also plan out a lot of stuff that we want to get done next year and uh you know effectively update and upgrade the system uh, there's a few things that if you are subscribed to the newsletter or you just go on the website more frequently you will see there's a lot of work being done there which obviously you know it takes a time to do that, which also is one of these things where it's like, okay, well, my time and trying to align it with Gary's time, it does make recording the podcast quite difficult. There's also a time difference between us. But anyway, we thought it was at least uh, important to kind of round out and finish up this How to Train series that we are doing, even though we have actually a few other episodes that we could potentially record. And, you know, we may just in the future, but this is one that I know a lot of people had asked us to record. I know a lot of people had asked you, Gary, to record it. A lot of people had said it to me. And um, so we want to at least finish up with this one. So with that in mind, Gary, what are we going to be discussing today? Yes, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, combat sports. This is a final episode in the How to Train series. And combat sports is, as you said, a, an often requested topic. Um, both of us have experience in combat sports. Um, you've done boxing, you've done a bit of MMA, you've done jiu-jitsu. Um, I've done mainly jiu-jitsu, very small bit of MMA um, and wrestling with the MMA guys, which is always very fruitful. fruitful. Uh, so we've got a little bit of experience. Yeah, except for my hamstrings. So we've got a little bit of experience uh, training the sports ourselves. But importantly, we also coach a lot of people in the strength conditioning aspect for combat sports. Okay, So we have clients that compete in all of the sports that we've been talking about throughout the series. And we help them primarily with the strength conditioning side. Because very often, when you do a combat sport, you could have the most fantastic coach uh, that helps you with the specifics of the sport, you know, jiu-jitsu, drilling technique, wrestling technique, boxing technique, all these, these sorts of things. But by definition, they're a specialist in that. They might necessarily know how to advise you on the strength conditioning side. So that's really our area of specialty is helping people to get stronger, to get fitter, to develop all the components of fitness that then contribute to better performance, performance in combat sports. Yeah, and this is, I think, is important. And we have said it a few times throughout this whole series, but there are multiple components to, you know, sports in general. And when we're talking about how to train, like, yeah, you can focus on getting stronger in the gym, for example, or bigger or fitter, or, you know, oh, should I be working on my aerobic system or my anaerobic system? Or, you know, what are the perfect protocols for X, Y, or Z? But one of the biggest and probably the biggest contributor to all of this is your skill and your proficiency in the sport you know so this is really apparent in combat sports where yeah you could have the fucking best gas tank in the world you could be fucking 10 times as strong you can be 10 times more explosive blah 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 but if someone is more skillful than you 99 percent of the time you're gonna lose <laughs> you know like i've seen it you've seen it gary more than likely anyone who's been to something like a jiu-jitsu gym has seen it where you have this bodybuilder guy come in and yeah, they definitely do well, you know, especially if they have any kind of athletic background, they definitely do well, especially against other, you know, 
white belts, for example, other people around the same skill level as them. But as soon as you start getting blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, black belts, they're just, they just get tied up. So even if they have a surplus of strength or surplus of fitness or whatever, the technique side of things really does take, uh, like it really does, it's the, it's the force multiplier here, right? And the reason I want to say that is because it's re- really important to just remember that, keep that in mind. You know, when we talk about any strength and conditioning stuff, like realistically, it's supposed to be supplementary to your sport. It's supposed to be supplementary to your sport-specific training. It's not supposed to replace it. I've had many clients in the past, and again, Gary, I'm sure this has been the case, or you've talked to individuals like this that have said, oh yeah, I want to improve my muscle, or I want to improve my strength, I want to improve my fitness, X, Y, Z, so that I can start jujitsu, or so that I can start boxing, or so that I can start whatever combat sport it is, you know? And well, yeah, for sure, improve all those things, but realistically spending five years preparing your body to do combat sports just means that you're five years behind on the technical aspects of the sport you know so just don't do that (laughs) you need to be working on the technical aspects of the sport alongside the more physiological aspects of the sport you know so with that in mind gary where do we start with all this yeah, so I think what's useful to understand, first of all, is a kind of general needs analysis. And this is difficult because um, combat sports vary quite a bit. So what's common to all combat sports is that you need a decent aerobic base. Okay, So you simply need to have strong cardiovascular or cardiorespiratory fitness. Plenty of cardio. This is obvious from, you know, if you've watched the, the Rocky movies, you watch the old uh, videos of Muhammad Ali training, all these, you know, famous combat sports athletes. What they did was, you know, they were out, you know, running for an hour or hours in the morning. There was running was a consistent factor. They were always doing some degree of cardio. You know, you see this with skipping and boxing as well. Of course, that's it's working in your footwork and your rhythm, but it's also working on conditioning. Okay. It's this constant conditioning that then enables you to use your skills without fatigue inhibiting those skills. That's really important. So that's just just on that. Forget about even that. It's before that. It actually allows you to train enough so that you can develop the skills. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people just don't realize. They think, oh, well, I don't even need to get this fit or that fit or whatever, because I actually don't want to compete. I just want to, you know, do a little bit better. But you can actually get so much more out of your training if you're not gassed out. Let's say again, jujitsu as an example. Like if you were doing just the a general technique class, a foundationals class, obviously they're called different things in different clubs, whatever. Um you're just doing that class and you're fucking gassed out. You can hardly get through the rounds. You can, they're doing like, okay, each of you do five on each side, whatever the movement is, you know, uh, and you're destroyed after doing three of them. You're just like, oh, can't, can't keep going. Like you're limiting in your ability to even pick up the skills by virtue of not having that aerobic base, you know? Now, I know I did just say, oh, we don't want to spend fucking five years <laughs> preparing our bodies to even engage with the sport, but it is important to understand that, okay, yeah, you still need to pick up these skills. You need to still need to be fit enough to be able to pick up these skills. And you definitely need to be fit enough if you want to compete in this stuff, but you can do those things at the same time. Absolutely. So um, basically, if you increase your aerobic fitness or your endurance, of course, you're going to have more endurance when it comes to a, a combat bout. But you're, as Paddy said, you're going to be able to handle more training volume. You're also going to have better decision-making because one of the things that compromises decision-making, which is really important in martial arts, is, you know, fatigue, okay? So when you're fatigued, you make poor decisions and you also execute your skills. So all these different things come together that, that make it a pretty obvious choice that you would want a solid aerobic base, okay? The other thing that you want is, in, in all of these sports, is strength endurance. And I say strength endurance because it's it's really not maximal strength strength one rm strength that is important sometimes but most of the time what you want is that you're strong and you're able to repeat those efforts or hold an isometric contraction and we'll talk a little bit about that when it comes to specific sports here now so if we look at something like wrestling let's say and you know for those not familiar we're not talking about like wwe here we're talking about um wrestling either there's there's different forms of wrestling greco roman freestyle etc but um, wrestling on its own is also a key part of MMA, and that's probably where 
um, most people would be would, would see it these days unless you're living in the US or Russia or one of these other countries. Um, what you need for wrestling is you need more, probably more maximal strength because in wrestling you often need to be able to uh, be very explosive and lift someone your own weight um, or you need to flip them over onto their back when they're resisting, etc. So you need a bit more maximal strength and anaerobic power. This is something that's really unique if you've ever trained wrestling. You need to be incredibly explosive and then you need to be able to repeat those explosive efforts. It's what makes wrestling so incredibly fatiguing because you need to change levels. You drop your body, you explode up, and then you have to lift an opponent and then maintain that contraction. So you need maximum strength, you need anaerobic power, and there's also some degree of strength endurance here as well. Um, strength endurance is also something that comes into jiu-jitsu, which is kind of a close cousin of wrestling, we could say. When it comes to jiu-jitsu and grappling, we're talking about a component of wrestling slash judo, but with uh, submissions, very technically focused. So jiu-jitsu tends to have a lower emphasis on maximal strength, uh, but there is a strong strength endurance component and uh, your aerobic base, uh, of course, as well. But that's common to them all. So the difference between wrestling and jiu-jitsu there, wrestling, maximal strength, and anaerobic power, probably a little bit more important. Um, and that's just the, the nature of the sport. Striking sports then, um, obviously, MMA encompasses all of these components, but striking sports like boxing, kickboxing, taekwondo, muay thai, etc., they also involve anaerobic power because you need to be able to be extremely explosive with your shots, you know, fast muscle contraction, rapid ATP production, and then you also need that high velocity strength or power. So you need to, you need some strength, but specifically what you need is the ability to translate that strength into high velocities. Okay, so there's some of the kind of needs analysis components to each of those respective domains. But as you can see, there's huge overlap. You need a solid aerobic base. You need to be explosive in most of these, but there's just some variance there in terms of how much strength high velocity strength or any power you require yeah and obviously like we're just uh, lumping these all together but you could say you know no gi brazilian jiu-jitsu it's basically a different sport than in the gi brazilian jiu-jitsu like completely different weight classes exactly different. you know like there's there's so much variation you know if we're talking about we're just going all oh, striking sports as if boxing is the same as muay thai as if that's the same yeah. as taekwondo like obviously we understand there's differences within these but if we were, we could, this is what we're saying. We could basically go through every single one of these sports and do a needs analysis on that exact sport, depending on your exact style of play as well. Like, again, we say like, oh, there's a difference between no gi jiu-jitsu versus in the gi jiu-jitsu. But then there's also a difference if you're a, like a, a bottom player or a top player, guard passer, you know, like there's, depending on your specific game, there's going to be different physiological demands. Of course, there is a lot of overlap, but there is still enough difference between the things that we could go like it, it, when we talked about field sports you know in the previous episode there's so many field sports you know rugby is obviously different than gaelic football versus you know soccer versus whatever you know but we can still categorize them all together and i feel like people when we talk about combat sports they're a little bit more hesitant to categorize them together um because they're like oh they're so distinct they're completely different sports but i think that should go without saying and also we have stuff like mma where you literally do <laughs> put them all together. <laughs> so anyway, that's just uh, an aside. Where do we start with thinking of training for this stuff, Gary? Like um, you said aerobic base, that's the thing that's common to them all, right? Regardless of whether we're doing wrestling, whether we're doing jujitsu, whether we're doing boxing, whether we're doing Muay Thai, the aerobic base is foundational. So do we start with that? Do we start going, okay, let's get that dialed in, you know? Let's assume the person is training sufficient amounts of their actual sport. They're doing two, three, four, five sessions of their sport per week. Um, where where do we go? What, what what do we do with the training then? Yeah. So firstly, when we're talking about um, aerobic training, I actually start by talking about the sport itself, and I'm going to use jujitsu as an example because it's what I'm familiar with. But I will correlate some of the striking sports. So, for example, right. What, what happens in jiu-jitsu a lot of the times, right? You've got your basic classes where you go, you do your technique, you do your drilling, you do a couple of rolls at the end. There are also sessions called open mat sessions where you show up and you kind of do what you want. Now, what people often do at open mats is they show up, they start rolling, which means you're just kind of going against uh, one of your classmates, which, you know, and 
emulating competition. So you go and you do that and you kind of just stop doing those rounds whenever you get tired. So you go 100% every, every round. Maybe you've done four or five and you're like, yeah, I'm done for the day. I can't do two hours of this. Okay. That is okay every now and then, but it's not smart from like a building aerobic base and building technique perspective. So the, the, there's a relationship here between your aerobic training and your technical training. So what I would do if I was someone that, that was saying, right, I'm always gassing out. My endurance, my aerobic fitness is quite poor. So what I would do is I'd show up to those open mats and I'd say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be strategic with who I roll with. So I'm going to roll with someone that's not going to push me 100% every single round. I'm going to pick people, you know, initially where I'm going to be working at maybe 70 to 80% of my, of my effort. I've got a little bit left in the tank and I'm going to do maybe two to three of those rounds in a row and then I'm going to rest one and then I'm going to do two to three again. So it's like you're doing your cardio sessions in the gym where we might recommend to clients, I want you to be in zone two, maybe zone three at max. So you're 60 to 70% of your max heart rate, maybe up to 75% of your max heart rate so that you're actually managing your efforts. And now you'll be able to do that for one to two hours. Whereas if we were going 90 to 100% doing like hard intervals, you could only do that for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And that's what happens to people when they train in these open mat sessions. So that's the first thing that also can be you know, clearly applied to something like uh, striking. You know, if you're doing really hard, heavy bag work all the time, um, of course, you're going to be super fatigued. You have to be really explosive. You have to use your anaerobic power. But maybe you have sessions where this is a technical session. I'm going to accumulate more overall volume of technique, but I'm never going to be working close to 100%, you know, whether it be at speed bag or you're just doing light pads, et cetera, whatever it happens to be. You just have sessions that are focused on one technique, but two, building up overall volume so that you improve your aerobic fitness. That's an incredibly important component. And it's one of the reasons I don't like to strictly dichotomize technical training and strength conditioning training because they're actually very much related. Okay. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. And this is this is kind of annoying because some of this is outside of your control. Like if you just go, yeah. oh, well, I just I just have to show up to these five classes, three classes, whatever the fuck it is, whatever your sport demands. You know, I feel like in a lot of other sports, they kind of understand, okay, you are going to have a match on Saturday or Sunday. So, you know, we have to be smart in our strategic or we have to be smart and strategic with our loading across the week. You know, I'm not going to have you do fucking hill sprints, sprints, you know, loads of conditioning stuff on the Tuesday and the Thursday training sessions that we have, because I know you're going to be, you're going to be fucking fatigued for the Saturday or Sunday game, you know, whereas with combat sports, first of all, the people who interact with combat sports, generally they want to push themselves hard. <laughs> so generally they're the type of people that are more likely to go, oh yeah, of course I'm only going to go to the open mats and I'm just going to push myself to the absolute fucking limit five days a week. Um, but also with combat sports, you generally don't have competitions very frequently. You know, uh, Some of them, you do have them more often, but it's not like you're having a competition every single weekend. So as a result of that, people think they need to train harder all of the time. So they will, like you said, go to the open mat sessions or in boxing, it's very common to have like, you know, 45 minutes or whatever of like an actual class where you're, you know, doing some conditioning work, you're working on technique skill, and then you might have 45 minutes of, you know, maybe it is heavy bag work, maybe it's rounds, maybe it's whatever, you know, they'll very often they'll do that. Sometimes they do like a more beginner type class. Uh, which I say beginner, but it's just like kind of fundamentals, technique, whatever. And then they'll have a slightly more advanced class, whatever, right? Obviously it depends on the school you go to, the academy, the club, whatever, right? But the unfortunate thing is a lot of that is actually outside of your control. And this is where it can be quite hard with, like Gary's saying here, where you're going, okay, I need to assess my actual sport training and see how that fits in with my strength and conditioning stuff. Because if you're going to training sessions, again, it's very common in, uh, combat sports where the coach is from an old school background and they just go oh yeah you should just go hard every single day you should go absolutely balls to the wall every single day and that's how you're going to get better you know that generally isn't conducive to improvements in your physiology in terms of your fitness like obviously to an extent it is you're going to be doing any kind of cardiovascular training it's going to improve your fitness to a point but unfortunately you get to a stage where your fatigue is actually so high that it's preventing you from actually adapting even further you know like you're not able to train as many rounds you're not able to push yourself or you're always holding back or you're not able to build the, the technique that you need to build because you're always in this super fatigued state when you go to these classes you know um and again unfortunately some of that is just outside of your control because again you just have to go to the club and go 
Right, what's today's class? Oh, we're going to do 15 minutes of technique work and then we're going to do two hours of <laughs> hard rolling. You know, it's like, that's that's not very conducive to the goals you may have set, which they don't really do that in a lot of other sports. And a lot of the more uh, advanced uh, classes or advanced academies or whatever clubs uh, in these various sports, like you see them, they, they just don't train like this. Like I remember boxing, you know, whatever, 15 years ago or whatever it is. Uh, and they would have us like full sparring three, four nights a week, <laughs> you know, they just don't do that anymore. Like obviously they do that in some places, but now they realize it's like, okay, well, you're just not, you're not, there's no need to be getting punched in the face that much. <laughs> like we can still get the same adaptations. We can still get the same kind of stimulus without destroying the body in the, in the process. So there are smarter ways to go about this stuff. And unfortunately you kind of are left at the behest of whatever your club does, you know? and that's that's just unfortunate but you can still make some changes like i said you can go okay well yeah i want to do the 45 minutes or the two hours of rolling can i be more strategic in terms of how i actually do that can i tell people that i want to do a bit more of a flow roll or can i do open mat but tell them that oh i want to work on this position and you know give parameters being like okay yeah if you sub me or whatever can we just start back again in this position rather than Every single open match, you're like, okay, it starts from standing. I have to do takedowns. I'm getting fucking destroyed because it's basically wrestling and there's more chance of injury here and whatever. You know, it's like, okay, you can, you can to some degree modify that training environment. But unfortunately, sometimes you can't. So, you know, you, got, you only have so much control, but it seems you do have control over, take control of them. Don't just wing it. Don't just, you know, let your training go however it goes based on your kind of. Oh, I feel like going 100% today. Like, why? Have a reason. Okay. So on top of that, then, of course, you can do additional aerobic training. And when you're doing this for combat sports, what you want to do most of the time is have this as additional low-impact aerobic training. So, for example, rather than going out and doing, like, really hard runs, you would do something like, you know, cardio on the bike or you might go swimming. Basically, you're allowing your joints to have some rest because you're already being beat up in the sport for training. The only kind of exception to this would probably be something like, you know, boxing or striking sports where there's a bit more crossover between time on the feet um, and your cardio. So, you know, it might make sense to, you know, do a bit of, of skipping as cardio or you might want to get more running in because you're just trying to condition maybe your ankles, your feet, et cetera, to um, be a bit more specific. But with uh, jujitsu and, and wrestling and so on, you don't need to go out hammering runs. I know there's still, you know, the idea in martial arts generally is like, running is your cardio like you go out you do your kind of long runs it's again from the rocky movies etc it just seems like a cool hardcore thing to do but there's nothing wrong with just hopping the bike going for swims going on the cross trainer or whatever that's going to build your aerobic base in a much lower fatigue manner a lot of the time if you're a more seasoned runner and you know you can go out and do a casual run that's perfectly fine doesn't take too much out of you that's great but a lot of people take enough cardio and think they're running against cardio they go out, they go for the runs, they, they run too hard, they don't properly plan, they've ran before, and now they've got sore knees and hips going into do a jiu-jitsu class. And it just doesn't make sense because it's not the primary thing to try to optimize for. So aerobic training, again, depends how much um, combat sports training you're doing throughout the week. Let's say you're doing three, four classes per week. I would add on a, at least another probably one to two hours of aerobic training throughout the week if you can, okay? This can be made more difficult when we start to talk about resistance training and factoring that in. But I would like to see someone get at least another one to two hours. That could be, you know, two to three 30-minute sessions on a bike at steady state. And you can also couple this with your resistance training sessions uh, to make it a little bit more uh, time effective so that you're not trying to get to the gym too much. But I think aiming for that one to two hours extra at 60 to 70% of your max heart rate. So most people most looking around 120 to 140 beats per minute is perfectly fine. Okay, one of the reasons people struggle to get their cardio done is they go too hard. They go in, they, they hop on the bike, and they go as fast as they can for an hour. And that's going to, again, just leave you more fatigued. It's going to compromise your recovery from your sport. Whereas if you stick to this kind of zone two range, it's actually going to be much easier to recover to that while still getting additional aerobic adaptations that transfer over to your sport. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the only other thing I would add is there is a, some advantage, like you said, with 
boxing, for example, to, you know, spending more time on the feet. You know, you could be like, okay, well, this is slightly more specific to my sport, but you could also do stuff that is very specific to your sport, such as like, again, in boxing, you could be doing like speed bag work. You could be doing like, you know, technical work. Like you can get a good sweat on, you can get your heart rate into the appropriate zone, which is like, moving around shadow boxing you know so you can still do stuff that is very sport specific and you might go okay well how do i do that in say grappling any kind of grappling sports wrestling whatever like you can still be doing stuff like you could be doing burpees for example you know you could be doing stuff like i don't know shooting for the leg or whatever like there are things that you can be doing again you could be doing even like animal walks animal crawls and stuff so you're still conditioning the upper body you're still moving in these various ranges of movement whatever you know so it doesn't have to be, oh, I have to go for a run or it doesn't have to be, oh, I have to go to the gym and, you know, do 30 minutes on the cross trainer or whatever. You know, I would probably argue that a lot of more low impact work is probably more beneficial because it'll allow you to get more training volume with less fatigue, but it might just not be enjoyable for you. You might just absolutely hate it. And as a result, not actually do it. So if you can find fun modes of cardio, that allow you to get some aerobic conditioning in happy days and i should also say on this that you know some people like i would say myself like i you know had you know previous in my youth had ambitions of becoming an athlete and being oh yeah i'm gonna be great at these x y sports or whatever but for me like i do jujitsu just as a bit of a hobby i do it because i don't really enjoy doing like these longer bouts of cardio you know i don't i just don't enjoy doing 45 minutes an hour on a cross trainer or going for a jog or whatever so for me that is my cardio and you have if that is the case for you like there's nothing wrong with that however you have to accept that there is a bit of a trade-off in terms of your overall fitness for that sport or just overall fitness full stop you know like i know i could be fitter if i did more aerobic conditioning but for me right now the trade-off just isn't worth it especially with all the work that we have all the stuff that we're trying to get done etc you know so i'm like do i really want to spend an extra two three four hours doing aerobic conditioning when this is just purely a hobby it's not something that I really want to maximize, you know, and that is something that you really have to contend with. You're like, what are you actually trying to achieve? What is the goal of this? Obviously, we're naturally enough talking about this when we're talking about any sport. We're talking about it from the perspective that you really do want to improve this sport or this activity or whatever. So that caveat kind of goes without saying, but it is important to understand that, you know, if you're just doing this for your exercise, you're just doing this for a bit of fun. You don't have to do fucking absolutely everything else. <laughs> like you don't have to be doing four hours of cardio, 20 hours of resistance training and whatever else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 100%. And that is actually a really important point. And like, you know, if, if even, even if you are, you know, competing in the sport casually and you're like, yeah, I want to get better, but it's not like, I'm not, it's not taking up my whole life. You know, I, I do three sessions a week and then I compete, you know, every few months, you still don't have to do all the strength conditioning if you don't want to, you know, it's like, that's really important. It's not, it's not make or break. There's, especially in something like uh, jujitsu, there's guys that are, you know, incredibly good and they've done very little strength conditioning ever. You know, they just show up, they drill their technique, it's better. They build a bit of aerobic fitness. Could it be better if they did specific aerobic training? Yeah, maybe. But again, it just depends on how much of a priority this is for you. If you want to be your best, you need good strength conditioning. Simple as that. If you don't want to be your best, but you want to be pretty good, maybe you don't need it. Okay, so prioritize accordingly. Now, However, just that before we move on, having said that, I would still argue that doing some resistance training, doing some cardio, is probably a good thing for your health. It's probably a good thing to build those habits now because there's going to come a time when you're not going to have the sport anymore. So there is a bit of a trade-off. Like you don't want, that happens all the time. You don't want to, you know, whatever, become a 30-year-old, 35-year-old and go, I don't have my sport anymore. And now you have nothing in your life. You have no physical outlet. You don't, you've never been to the gym. You don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? And while there are obviously some sports that have a little bit of a longer longevity, like I know like 65-year-olds that do jujitsu, you know? So it's like there, some sports do have a, a longer timeline, but, you know, a lot of sports don't. So you do kind of need to be thinking past your sport. You need to be thinking about your health overall. Um, and that's just important to kind of keep in mind. Yeah. You know me, I, I'm pretty simple man. I think that uh, there's pretty much 
close to zero excuses for not lifting weights and doing cardio for your whole life. So that's, that's my philosophy of life. And I just think everyone should train. So anyway, that brings us on to the other component of cardio respiratory fitness, which is anaerobic training. Now, anaerobic training is a little bit of a, a messy area because there's actually, it's, it's not as simple as just one thing. So you can do short, explosive, alactic intervals, which means it's just extremely short, extremely explosive. You're not getting to the point where you're building up this, this burn in the muscle. Um, and like from an exercise physiology perspective, you're, you're kind of using majority local ATP stores, the creatine phosphate system, and maybe digging into glycolysis a little bit but it's really just the short sharp explosive stuff so we're talking like three to ten second bouts here um not the 30 to 60 or 30 to 90 second bouts where it's grueling you're gasping for air the goal here is axe output and then repeating those over time okay so these have a place especially for athletes that need to be explosive like wrestlers and strikers that need to be able to just go and have something done within a couple of seconds so things that would be useful for this would be, for example, um, a really short uh, assault bike sprint. So it might be, I want to do five seconds back separate from the assault bike. It might be, I want to hit a tire with a sledgehammer. I'm only doing it a few times, but I'm doing it max effort each time. Med ball slams, med ball throws, etc. These aren't the types of thing, these aren't the types of efforts where you're doing a med ball slam and you're doing it 50 times until your technique has fallen apart and you're absolutely gasping. You're doing it like three times or throwing it at a wall, um, something like that. You're doing it short, sharp, and at your best. You're not recovered. You're focusing on max. I mean, you are recovered. You're not fatigued. You're focusing on max output each time. Okay, That's actually really different to the uh, more fatiguing lactic intervals that you would do between a 10 to 60 second uh, time period. So these are the efforts where you're initially going to be really explosive, but you're going to see that taper off a little bit. As acidosis accumulates, your muscles begin to burn, your lungs begin to scream out for air, your brain's telling you to stop. These are the intervals that really build up that um, that exp explosive endurance, you could say, where you are actually doing something close to max effort and you're able to do it for a slightly longer period of time. Okay, So they're the two kind of core, um, lact or core anaerobic intervals that we would have people do. And the important thing is that when you're doing these efforts, it's not just I'm going to work for 10 seconds, rest for five and work for 10, or I'm going to work for 30 seconds, rest for 30 seconds. Generally, what we want is something like a work to rest ratio of one to potentially five. So, for example, if you work for 20 seconds, max effort, resting for up to, you know, 100 seconds or more could be entirely appropriate so that you can cover to repeat that effort again and that's especially for trying to maximize output each time the biggest mistake people make here is they do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and they do that like 10 times that's fine it is going to help get fitter it is going to help build some of this anaerobic uh fitness it is going to help build, build your aerobic fitness but it's not helping you with the maximum power output end of the spectrum which is really where this anaerobic training starts to happen better yeah, I would say the biggest mistake people make with their anaerobic training is, first of all, trying to train like they compete. Uh, for example, you might have in boxing three three minute rounds, you know, and you have a minute round or a minute break in between those rounds. So people will try to have their cardio emulate that. And you kind of go, OK, well, intuitively, that kind of makes sense. You know, you're like, OK, I need to train like I compete so I can get better at the way I compete. But it's not really true. And the second thing I was going to say is, most people, excuse me, cut short their rest intervals. And as a result, their supposed anaerobic training just becomes more and more aerobic in nature. They're not actually able to be anaerobic. And as a result, they're not actually getting the anaerobic adaptations, right? And it's a very simple fix for both of those things, right? Say so you do want to train three, three minute rounds. That's just, you know, you're like, okay, I want to get better at those three minute intervals right i want to be able to have a gas tank that just fucking blows through those three minutes like you can still do a, an interval that takes three minutes you can still do something that's like okay 30 seconds on 30 seconds off 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and do three minutes of that and then take a longer rest interval and then do it again and then take a longer rest interval and then do it again so you can still do something like that and that's going to definitely you know work quite effectively for really ensuring that that 30 or that three minute round that you do really high output 
but also you probably want to be able to recover faster in between those rounds, which goes back to your aerobic capacity. So you really need to be adding in a lot of aerobic work. And then also, if you want to actually really maximize your ability to fucking destroy someone for 30 seconds, you probably want to do some very specific anaerobic training. Say, let's just say you want to be able to go for 30 seconds. You do that 30 seconds of interval, and then you take two, three minutes rest and recovery before you go again, right? So I'm not saying here, or Gary's not saying, that you never do anything that you know resembles your sport, but you just have to be more strategic in terms of training in a way that actually maximizes the adaptations that you want, right? Yeah, okay, it's understandable. You want to be able to do the rounds. Like say in jiu-jitsu, you want to be able to do a five-minute round, a seven-minute round, a 10-minute round. Again, depends on your belt level, depends on your experience, et cetera. Depends on the competition, whatever, right? Yeah, you could go, oh, I'm just going to do 10-minute rounds in jiu-jitsu and then we're going to have a minute break and then I can do another 10-minute round and that's just what we're going to do for our open mat sessions, you know? But that's not going to maximize it. But a second one of those, when fucking halfway through the first one of those, your technique is going to be you know, going to be fatigued. You're going to be holding on to positions that you wouldn't generally hold on to. You're going to be doing all that you can to slow it down. You're not going to be pushing the pace for those 10 minutes. And if you want to be the person that pushes the pace for those 10 minutes, you're probably going to need to train in a way that allows you to actually push the pace for 10 minutes, which is probably going to mean that you do specific anaerobic training that has lots of rest in between it so that you can maximize your ability to be anaerobic. And then you do lots of aerobic training so that you can maximize your ability to do 10 minutes of exercise and to recover from all of those anaerobic spurts. Because this is the important thing to understand about sports in general. It's very rare that they're just purely one energy system you know even look at something like repeated sprint intervals in field sports like yeah okay you look at that they go oh i sprint for 30 seconds and my sport is a series of 30 second sprints but when you actually look at the energetics after about the second third fourth fifth one of those sprints they're just increasingly more and more aerobic you're not able to kick it up into that higher gear. You're not able to really push it to the max. And anyone who's ever done something all out can attest to this. You do something all out for the first round and even if you take 30 seconds break, that second round, you're not able to go up to that same level. You're not able to push to that same level. Or maybe, again, depending on the exact physiology or your exact makeup or that exact exercise, maybe you are able to push even a little bit harder on that second round. But then the third, the fourth, the fifth, they just become more and more of a, a lower effort. Even though you feel like you're giving everything, you're not actually able to kick it up into that gear. You're not able to push as hard as possible. So if we're really trying to maximize our adaptations or our ability to push it to the max, to those higher gears, then don't train in a way that doesn't even let you get <laughs> to those. You know, Don't train in a way that, yeah, the first one was a high gear, like in your car, you're like, oh, I got up to sixth gear here. And then every other interval after that is you're barely even getting past third because you're just destroyed, you know? Yeah, 100%. And you could see this as, um, you could see these as traits in, in uh, combat sports athletes as well. But like if you watch like the UFC, MMA, for example, you'll see guys who go out in the first round and they're just going 100%. They have a fantastic round, win the first round. Second and third rounds, then they're totally gassed. They're not able to sustain that high anaerobic uh, power. And again, that's a useful strategy for some people. For example, if you're like a, a knockout artist and you're like, yeah, I, I want to go out, finish people quickly. I know I don't have great endurance, but I want to be powerful. I want to be technical. I want to get it done in the first. That's fine for some people. Um, but in terms of your training, you do want to prioritize that when you're doing this, these anaerobic efforts that you are running adequately so that you are being explosive. And then when you're doing your aerobic training, that you're um, being genuinely in a more aerobic zone. So you can mix the two every now and then, but I think somewhat of a polarized approach can help you develop each of the respective components better and then translate over specifically to your sport. Okay, so um, not much else to add on the kind of cardio side of things, really. Um, of course, there are a million different methods, so many different ones you could put into practice. To your point, cardio is important. Yeah, I'm nothing else after that. Perfect. So that brings us to uh, resistance training and like lift, lifting weights and getting stronger is something that's going to be a benefit for most athletes. Um, even if you're competing in a weight class, a specific weight class, and you're quite tight to that weight class, 
improving strength is still something that's possible without building muscle. And therefore, you can improve your relative strength, meaning that in a given weight class, you're now able to produce more power than the other guys. Okay, That's the goal is that for your weight class, you're as strong, as explosive, as fit as possible. Okay, So you want to have the, if you can maximize all of these different components of fitness within category of athlete that you are versus others, that's going to give you a benefit. Then you layer your technique on top and you really want to get ahead. So resistance training, firstly, it's not just about uh, building muscle. It's also about building strength and it's about building high velocity strength or power slash explosiveness. Okay. So generally speaking, um, if you're someone who, let's say you're in a given weight class at the moment, but you're not lean uh, in that weight class, maybe you have more body fat, other guys are leaner. What you can do here is focus on muscle building and through your resistance training, gain muscle, then lose body fat, and you end up in the same weight class, but different body composition, and therefore that can give you better performance. The other thing you can do is obviously, if you're in a, a lower weight class and you want to go up a weight class, gaining muscle is going to help you get there. Okay. So if you're focused on muscle building and you have one of those two goals where you want to body you want to recompose your body or you want to build muscle to increase the weight class, that's actually going to be, you know, served pretty well by doing basic kind of bodybuilding style training. So you're doing, you know, six to 20 reps most of the time. You're getting between maybe one to three reps from failure most of the time. And you're focusing on feeling the muscles and building up all the muscles in your body. Okay. So that's going to help you with those sim simple goals. But the other things that are important are the strength and power components, and then balancing all of this with all the other training that you're doing. So from a strength perspective, um, you could either focus on building strength while building muscle, or you could focus on strength at a given weight class. So if you're trying to stay within a weight class, you don't want to gain any weight, you just want to uh, get stronger, then what I would do is spend more of my time training in the kind of maybe three to eight rep range most of the time. So you're doing lower reps, you're also doing lower volume. So you're not going to try to push the sets up quite as much. So generally for muscle building, we say 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. If I was trying to focus just on strength and explosive power development without gaining much muscle, I'd probably do between three and eight reps most of the time. And I would do, you know, probably less than 15 sets, potentially, you know, less than 10, maybe five to 15 instead of 10 to 20, mostly five to 10 per week per muscle. Um, and I'd focus at the three to eight rep range. And what I do then is have some sets that are more maximal strength focused and maybe a little bit closer to failure, but some that are just high velocity focused where it could be three reps with your eight to 10 rep max or your 10 to 15 rep max, where you're just trying to be as explosive as possible, particularly for the muscles that you want uh, to be explosive. So for example, if you want to uh, develop uh, your strongest punch, let's say, okay, you want to throw a really explosive punch, you want to have explosive shoulders, explosive chest. So you might do something like a, a landmine press or an explosive push press, staying five to 10 reps from failure. You're just being as explosive as you can with each of those respective reps. So resistance training, as you can see here, serves multiple different purposes. And it really depends what you're trying to get out of it. But for most people, if they just have a general training goal, they're not too focused on specific weight classes. They're just like, yeah, I do combat sports. I want to get better at it some degree of a mix here is appropriate. So for example, you might have, let's say you do three full body training sessions per week, just to keep it simple with your resistance training. Day one could be a more strength focused day. So you stay in that three to eight rep range for most of your exercises, and maybe you're staying two to four reps in failure. Okay. Day two, then you do a power slash explosiveness focused day. Stick with the same rep range, three to eight, but now you're much further from failure. So you're talking maybe 50 to 60% of one rep max on these exercises. And then day three, you're focused more on the hypertrophy side of things, where you're doing, you know, mostly 10 to 20 reps, more sets overall, focusing on feeling the muscle. And now you're developing your overall resistance training components of fitness. And then if you want to specify over time, like you have one of these weight class considerations, or you're trying to maximize relative strength, you can niche down into one of those respective areas. But I think the general approach of having a uh, bit of a hypertrophy focus, bit of a strength focus, and bit of a power and explosiveness. Explosiveness component in training is probably what serves the vast majority of trainees, especially at the amateur or, ca amateur or casual slash hobbyist level.
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And you can really make this as simple or as complex as you want. Like you could very easily just pick, uh, yeah, like you said, a two or three day full body training routine and kind of try to tick the boxes with all of the thing, all of the things. You're like, okay, power. I'm gonna try move the weight as fast as possible. That's the that's the kind of thought process I'm going in here. Okay, and I'm gonna do maybe some of my sets are more strength focused. So I'm gonna, you know, maybe lift in a little bit of a lower rep range and you know maybe maybe even get a little bit closer to failure still you know two three reps from failure and then you're going okay with my hypertrophy work you know probably maybe the vast majority of the exercises i do they're in that kind of let's just say five to eight rep range and most of them are kind of two to three reps from failure but i'm ensuring that i get at least 10 sets uh per week you know just if I'm, I'm saying hypertrophy is one of the goals right like you can kind of mix and match here but you can also be very specific if you're saying look i'm at already at the top of that weight category i can't gain any more muscle like you don't need as much hypertrophy work you could be focused more on the power stuff more on the strength stuff and you know you wouldn't do as much training volume then because you really don't want that uh hypertrophy you maybe would stay a little bit further away from failure like there's all different changes you could potentially make and you could potentially argue for if you have a certain very specific goal and some people are going to respond differently to certain things like some people find you know if they go to failure on exercise or they get closer to failure they really do get more out of it in terms of a hypertrophy response whereas other people find like yeah they do that for two, three sessions, and then they're just absolutely destroyed. So it doesn't fucking matter if it's a better stimulus for them. They're just not able to get the required volume across a week, across the weeks, months, years, you know? So there's going to be some inter-individual differences. And then also you have to remember that you have other training to do on top of this. (laughs) So you have to maximize your training system so that you can actually be recovered for the more important sessions like there's absolutely no reason to go in and get absolutely destroyed in the the gym lifting weights and then have a shit you know whatever boxing session or whatever other session later in the day because you're absolutely destroyed you're so fatigued you can't really push yourself you know so you have to make sure that the goal stays the goal and that you set up your training to actually facilitate good training outcomes you're able to train hard at the appropriate times at the appropriate, you know, or yeah, at the appropriate event, you know, like if jujitsu is your sport and you just want to get better at jujitsu, don't just get better at the gym and cardio at the expense of getting better at jujitsu. Like make sure the goal stays the goal. Absolutely. And then there are other kind of sport specific components that you might consider that also come into the resistance training. So for example, if you're doing jiu-jitsu and you need more hip mobility, that might be something you need to work on. You might need more hamstring flexibility. For example, you're working on your high kicks in striking and you just don't have that hamstring flexibility. You're not able to get leg up in the position that you need. So maybe that's something you need to focus on. Maybe you've had repeated hip flexor strains in jiu-jitsu or striking, same with adductor strains or things like that. You might need to add in these specific um, components of training uh, shoulder mobility is another common one, or or maybe you've repeated shoulder pain and you need to focus more on building rotation strength in your shoulder or whatever it happens to be. Really, there are many different potential problems that could come up in each of these respective combat sports, and these are just things that you need to think about. You know, are there injuries I've had that are recurring? Are there specific positions that I that really struggle to get into or struggle to control? And then, as a result uh, of that needs analysis, you can make your program. A lot more specific so you know that that goes for both injury prehab so to speak and injury rehab so maybe you've had you have a niggling injury or maybe you know that in your sport everyone seems to get this injury so i want to work on that more for example in wrestling and jiu-jitsu um well actually this comes to striking as well because of the because of concussion but neck injury is very common okay so you want to have decent uh, neck strength you know in striking you want to be able to resist the punch. You don't want to have your head turned super easily and get knocked out. You don't want to have, you don't want to uh, get concussions. And uh, strength strength in the neck can be protective here. It's also something that's useful in jiu-jitsu. If someone's pulling at your neck all the time or you're rolling over in your neck, of course, you can get injured. So neck training might be something that's more important for combat sports athletes than it would be for a general bodybuilder. So you might be following a general bodybuilding program, but you've never done any neck strengthening. Naturally, you've acquired a skinny neck or you've had recurring 
uh, neck injuries, then that's something you might want to work on. So there are potentially tens of different areas of the body we could look at here to say, work on this, work on this, work on this. You don't need to do everything. And I try to discourage people from doing that. I get a lot of messages from people who just start training jiu-jitsu and they're like, what are the specific exercises I should do in the gym? And I say, don't worry about that. Do a general program, see what issues crop up for you, and then focus more on that. Maybe it's your um, endurance of your grip. You're struggling with your grip. You, you, you've got poor grip strength and poor grip strength endurance. And when you're holding the gi, your forearms are in bits for days. Maybe that's something you need to focus on in your training, or maybe it's something that will develop by doing the sport itself. So again, make it specific, and it's just going to be a lot more effective. Yeah, and this is so the unfortunate thing is some of the things, some of the injuries in sports, they're just not you're not able to train against them, you know, like getting your finger jammed, you know, like <laughs> what are you gonna do? Strengthen up your fingers? Like, yeah, maybe that could help, but it's probably not gonna help that much, you know. Same with like even like you're saying there, I'm like, oh, maybe your grip isn't as strong as it should be, or you're not able to have that grip endurance. Like maybe you just need to let go of grip sooner. You know, maybe yeah. maybe it's, the issue. it's not actually a strength thing. It's not actually an endurance thing. It's just an actual way you interact with the sport thing, you know, and maybe that needs to change. Um, so that's the kind of unfortunate thing. But also people get very specific with this. And sometimes you don't need to be that specific. Like maybe it is a case that you're like, OK, well, you know, actually, if my pressing strength, just general pressing strength was a little bit better. I would actually have an easier time to say just in jujitsu, for example, again, you're just like, okay, well, I find like when I'm trying to press people off me, you know, I'm, I just don't have enough strength there, you know? And yeah, obviously use your technique. That would be optimal. But if you did have that little bit of extra strength, you know, maybe you would be able to get that little bit of extra room, hip escape, whatever. Right. Um, so you might just go, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that the exercises I'm choosing that are training these pressing muscles are actually good exercises. I'm not just choosing shitty ones just because that's what everyone does. Uh, or you're just doing enough volume, making sure that you're doing enough volume for them. Maybe it is that you need to put a little bit more attention to just pressing strength, just pressing exercises. And you're like, actually, my pulling strength is just phenomenal. If anyone, if I get anyone's D or whatever, I'm able to fucking throw them to the ground, <laughs> you know? So you don't need to be oddly specific with your exercise selection you can just maybe manipulate the overall training volume, the way you allocate that volume across the program and still get sports specific adaptations as a result of that. And um, on, on the injury and the prehab rehab type stuff. Yes. It makes sense to design your training in a way that, you know, ensures that you can train for a long time, hopefully prevents injuries, but you have to realize that sometimes it's, you know, it's just not possible. There's going to be injuries in the sport. And that's just the nature of all these sports, especially combat sports. You're going to pick up little niggles. And the reason I, I hammer on that is because, and I'm sure you find this with your training as well, Gary, and the you know uh, athletes you train, one of the biggest things that you need to be able to do, or one of the most important things you need to be able to do as an athlete who is training sports and then trying to also do the gym and cardio or whatever is you have an auto-regulatory approach to all of this stuff. Some days you're just not going to have the energy. Some days you're going to be like, oh, I'm just, I have that little niggle in my shoulder here and my hip and whatever. You're going to need to be able to modify your training, modify the intensity, modify the volume, modify the exact activity, all of these different variables. You're going to need to learn how to do that on a day-to-day -day basis so that you can get an adequate stimulus to keep you training and to have you fresh for the sessions that actually matter. Like I have a lot of athletes who do jujitsu and they they want to, they, they're hard charging. They want to destroy themselves in the gym. Maybe they come from more of a bodybuilding background or a resistance training background. And they're like, yeah, I want to do 20 sets. I know that's you know, the, the most amount of volume we should be doing for a muscle if we're trying to, well, maybe not the most amount, but that's like the top end of the quote unquote optimal range for a muscle. So I want to make sure I'm doing 20 sets for my quads or my back or whatever it is. And they're not factoring in that they're also doing four or five hours of jujitsu on top of that. And like, yeah, maybe you could do that. Maybe you can get away with that for a couple of weeks, but that's when the niggles start coming in where you're like, okay, yeah, the knee's been at me a bit. And, you know, I've noticed that I'm not able to push myself or push myself in the training anymore. I'm, you know, I do two rounds and I'm destroyed. And that's because fatigue accumulates over time. And as a result, it kind of starts to mask the fitness adaptations that you're making or have made. And you actually start to regress a little bit. And unfortunately, a lot of people, what they do in that case 
they try to train harder. They're like, oh, I must not be training hard enough, so I'll, I'll try to push harder. And then all the wheels fall off the wagon and they just don't get the adaptations and they have to basically start from scratch. <laughs> uh, or they inappropriately change the training stimulus. They go, oh, well, I'm actually, I'm just going to stop going to these classes and I'm going to go to the easier classes or I'm going to you know, give up the resistance training and I'm going to do whatever. Like they, they don't understand that you can just manipulate the overall intensity and volume of the training and get the result or let fatigue dissipate a little bit and then get the result that you want. Ideally, we just stay ahead of it. That's what I try to do with most of my athletes. I try to ensure that we don't let fatigue get too excessive. We don't let niggles get turn into injuries. Like we try to stay ahead of it as much as possible, but unfortunately that's not always possible, especially in combat sports. Absolutely. So uh, I completely agree. I think I spend a lot of my time telling people that you're going to compete in any sport, you need to accept pain and injury. Like it, it probably is going to happen, especially in combat sports. And to be honest, like just things aren't always preventable. And also, it's not always easy to get rid of pain and niggles. You know, if you've had, you have, if you've had a dodgy hip or something for all of your, you know, career as a boy doing Muay Thai or taekwondo where you're doing a lot of kicking i don't know if that will go away you know if, if you want to keep kicking and you want to keep getting into extreme positions that might just be something you have to deal with you know that's it's an unfortunate reality of asking your body to do extreme things so um it's just par for the course now the final thing to just note is that training shouldn't be the same all the time so what you need to do is periodize your training this is most uh, useful when you know when you're going to be competing. So for example, if you know you compete twice a year in I don't know, September and October or September and March, opposite side of the year, something like that, you period as you're training. Um, generally speaking, you would do more of your hypertrophy and strength work along with your aerobic base work further from competition. They're your kind of baseline fitness components. And then as you come closer to competition, more sports-specific stuff, both in terms of the way that you train the martial art itself and the way that you train your fitness components so that would mean doing more speed and explosiveness work more anaerobic power work less like super fatiguing hypertrophy and strength work and really long aerobic work that should be laid down for our advance that's basically just the the transition from the general to the specific um and that doesn't mean you don't do any specific stuff further out from competition you would just do it in a relatively smaller volume compared to trying to build up the uh general fitness components that support your ability to do this yeah and again it depends you just have to go back to why are you doing this like if you're just training and you're just you know you want to just enjoy the sport you enjoy it you enjoy you know being fit being strong whatever um you don't necessarily need to be overly obsessed about periodization. Like, yeah, you might have two competitions that you're like, they're the ones that I really like to prioritize. Or like in jujitsu, a lot of clubs, they won't give you a belt or they won't promote you uh, if you don't compete. Um, and they're like, oh, we have like an internal competition or we have XYZ event. That's where we're really looking at it. And that's, we do the grading after that. Like you might be like, okay, well, I want to put a bit more importance on that. But ultimately, I don't really care. You know, you're like, I don't really care if, I get promoted. I just want to, I'm doing this for fun. Like, yeah, it's a nice to get your next belt or whatever, but you don't necessarily need to spend 16 weeks in this basically training camp mindset of like, Oh yeah, I need to start doing more and more specific work. And I need to drop my resistance training down to like very low maintenance volumes and whatever. Like you could just be like, all right, cool. I have a competition in 16 weeks time, maybe the two weeks before it, I'm just going to start really thinking about fatigue management and making sure that, on the day, the Saturday or whatever it is, I'm I'm good and fresh for that. So I'm not destroying myself in the gym or with excessive amounts of cardiovascular conditioning or whatever. And then the kind of week before that, I'm I'm really just ramping down everything, maybe just the the baseline amount of volume. I'm doing a lot more of like, you know, we would say active recovery work, like going for walks and stuff like that, rather than like pushing hard uh, in the gym and stuff. So that again, you're fresh for that Saturday. And then yeah, you maybe you do take two or three days afterwards just to kind of again let your body recover from the hard training session that was the competition and then you start slowly ramping back up the intensity whatever you know like you could go that little or you could just do nothing a lot of people do that as well where they just go it actually just doesn't matter to me i don't care about the competition it's just it's basically another a hard training day that's all it is like yeah i might auto regulate 
um, you know, maybe I'll take the next two or three sessions after it a little bit easier, but it's just a hard training day. It's not that big of a deal, you know? So there are gradations within this. And obviously the other end of the spectrum is this is your fucking life. You're doing a 16 week Spartan training camp where it's all you focus on. You have everything periodized down to the fucking day. You're like, I know exactly, or I'm going to try at least to manage my fatigue, manage my stimulus, stimuli even, uh, manage the adaptation so that I'm absolutely perfectly peaked on a given day, you know? So there are gradations within this and it just comes down to knowing why you're doing this stuff, how important various things are to you. Um, and yeah, that's just something you have to think about. Yeah, and that, that covers everything we want to cover. 100%. So guys, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, we'll be taking a little bit of a break after this, but make sure you're following us elsewhere. We've got our website, www.treeagement.com, where we're posting lots of free content at the moment both video and articles. So you'll also catch our videos on uh, YouTube. So make sure you're following the Triage YouTube. You can keep up with everything that we're doing on the Triage Method newsletter as well, because we kind of share all the content for us where there. So you just use that as a capsule along with getting exclusive content. You can subscribe to that below. We're on Instagram, and that's where we post a lot of our content. You can you know, spot us on Twitter. You can find us on uh, Facebook as well, but Instagram is kind of our hub for the moment anyway. Um, along with YouTube and the website. So make sure you're following all of those places. And of course, if you are interested in coaching, we do have coaching spaces available. September is a very busy time for us. It's upcoming quickly and uh, we will be taking on more clients. All of our coaches have availability currently, uh, but they may not for very long in September. So if you'd like to work with myself, Patty, or another triage coach, you can inquire in the description box below and uh, get to work on smashing your goals in the remainder of 2023. All right, we'll see you in the next one, guys. Maybe in 2024.